ready. Literally be ready. I copied a couple of scriptures <clears throat> from 2 Timothy chapter 4 from two different versions, if you'd like to turn there. Sort of as a illustration of the thought of being ready. <coughs> From the New King James, Paul was telling Timothy, I charge you in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, uh, starting in verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, <clears throat> exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they will have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And then, from the CSB version, just a few of those same passages, that same verse to give you a flavor for that rendition. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead because of his appearing and his kingdom. Proclaim the message. Persist in it whether it is convenient or not. Proclaim the message. Persist in it, whether it is convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. I like that rendition. Um, be ready in season and out of season. That's the phraseology that I learned from Sunday school many, 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 many years ago. But the rendition of proclaim the message, persist in it whether it's convenient or not. When would not being convenient come into play? Well, there'd be many times, many times we could say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to substitute for community group. Let somebody else do it. Let somebody else do it. Oh, interesting thought. Writers and commentators and theologians even over time have said that Christianity is one generation from extinction. I see a few heads nodding. You've probably heard that 
phrase or that thought before. There's a uh, survey agency or company or whatever the Pew Research Group, that's easy to remember, like the church pews next door here. They're kind of a nonpartisan, non-denominational, if you want to, uh, group. They, they don't have a particular um, direction or focus, but they cover a wide spectrum of things in society. Years ago when I was in college, I, my major was economics that I wanted to ultimately teach. And one thing led to another and life happened and that didn't happen. But I minored, if you will, in sociology because economics and sociology deals with one common thing. And that's always interesting. One of Pew Research's um, studies dealt with religious type things. They found, and this is um, as of last year, so it's fairly recent, they found that in their terminology of Christians is a very large bucket, if you will. Uh, it's all denominations that consider themselves Christian. Evangelical, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Charismatic, on and on and on and on. Um, Catholic folks, Orthodox Christians, LDS, and so on and so forth. So they have a very wide bucket of what they consider Christian. But anyway, 30% of adults that they surveyed considered themselves not affiliated with anything or anybody. especially among the younger folks, the nuns. No, not, not, not these people, but the nuns that have no affiliation whatsoever. 29%, that's about a third. People that consider themselves self-identified Christians make up only 63% of the adult population last year. That was down from 2007. It's 78%. 31% last year attended religious services, unquote, at least monthly or more often. 
that could mean once a month, twice a month, every time, Wednesday night, whatever. At least once a month. 31%. 68% attended fewer than less than fewer times a year, and they broke that down even further, that's 68%. 15% were just a few times, the Easter and Christmas crowd, if you will. 26% said they seldom did, which, you know, if it was a sunny day and the temperature was right and the golf course was full, and there was no game on TV why they might show up. And 27% never. Never darkened the door. 68%. If you flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. The writer there has some information about such things. He wrote, Therefore, brethren, in chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, or the holy of holies, as other translations say, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he concentrated, consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's pause for just a moment there. He said, having boldness to enter the Holy of Holies. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Why can we have that boldness? Why can we approach the throne with that boldness in the Holy of Holies? Remember back at Brick. Because of our positional sanctification down Christ. What happened the afternoon when Jesus willingly gave his life for us? What happened to that veil of the temple? It was torn from top to bottom. And remember, of course, how that veil was constructed. It was a tightly woven curtain. It was about that thick. Teams of horses could not pull it apart. But the finger of God split it down and opened the Holy of Holies for us who have accepted 
Jesus as our Savior. So we can approach that throne with boldness. He says, he continues, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he promised, for who he promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We have the nuns at 30%, roughly a third. We have 68% of adults that attend some type of service when it feels good, when it's convenient, when I can get something out of it. We talked about that at some length this Sunday or two ago in community group. By and large, with exceptions of course, unfortunately Pitts is an exception, a good exception, but there's too many churches. There are too many people that have a consumer approach. I will come, I will attend, I will be here if I can get something out of it. But if I don't like the lesson, if I don't like the guy in the pulpit, if I don't like the lady teaching the Children, if I don't like, if I don't like, if I don't like, on and on, I'm out the door. What can I get instead of what can I bring? What can I do? What can I serve? How can I help? Paul wrote to Timothy and 2 Timothy, chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He said, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We'll touch on a few things about that in a little bit here. So, you 
say or think, well, I'm just little old me. I'm just one person that attends one local body somewhere. What can I do? You know, with statistics like that, how can I have any impact on something like that? What influence can I have? Well, I've tried to put some alliteration up here. Pray, prepare, preach. And somebody might get kind of squirmy when they talk about preaching. Well, I ain't no preacher. I can't do that. So that's why I softened it just a fraction with teach and share. But it's still preach. We'll get to that too. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Pray. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Sometimes, I'm not here, but I've been places where there'd be a discussion about how, what are we going to do about this situation, such as, you know, a drop of attendance, or how do we attract people, or how do we minister to this particular group? And there'd be all these ideas, you know, tossed out on the table. And then somebody would say, well, gee whiz, I guess we could pray about it, huh? Why, why is it that prayer is always, sometimes, not always, but why is it sometimes an afterthought instead of the first thought? People will say, well, I can't do much. I'm, I'm, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm not as energetic. I don't have the training. I don't have this. I don't have that. Okay, fair enough. I, I get that. But we can all pray. There are going to be, there are going to be in heaven, there are going to be saints there that you and I have never heard of, never seen before. But their crowns are going to be so heavy, it's going to take a forklift to hold it because they were faithful to pray without ceasing. If you pick, if you drill down and pick apart um, the word in the original, the transliteration, a dialitos, it's translated constantly, incessantly, pray. Pray without ceasing, keep going. Well, somebody would say, well, you know, I've got to take out the garbage, I've got to do the laundry, I've got to cut the grass, I've got to paint the garage, I've got on and on and on. Okay, 
That's good. But we can have a prayerful attitude always. When the Old Testament would talk about meditating the scriptures, meditate, meditate, what they were really saying, if you, again you drill down and look under the twigs and leaves at the original, they were murmuring. That's what that means. Murmuring, repeating the word of God that had been read to them. Sunday mornings here when Pastor Scott <clears throat> begins the lesson. He opens his Bible and he says, would you all stand while we read whatever passage it is that he's going to speak on. There's more than a ritual there. That follows what the Israelites did when they would stand out and the priest hour after hour after hour would read from the scriptures while they stood in reverence to God's word. And that's what we do. That should be our attitude. Not, oh gee, I just got comfortable now to stand up again and hope I don't fall over or something, you know. It's out of respect to God's word. Pray without ceasing. Another P, prepare. Prepare. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Again, Paul was writing to the Ephesians and he wrote, and he personally... <coughs> I'm reading from the CSB this time. He personally, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Sometimes that's called in some circles the fivefold ministry. Verse 12 For the training of the saints and the work of ministry so they can sit on their blessed assurance week after week. No. For the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Wow, what a standard. Then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. By human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, 
fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So the ministry gifts apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher they equip us for the work of the ministry to promote the growth of the body for building itself in love by the proper working of each individual part if your little finger hurts if you break it you're going to have a cast and it's going to hurt or at least it's going to be wrapped up and you're going to be incapacitated to do something same thing with the little toe or any other part of your body. It won't function with the rest of your physical body. That's why, that's why the pastors and teachers at here and other churches share and teach us so that we in turn can multiply and share and spread the good news. It's not something that we keep in our hip pocket. It's what we can share. I've said it so many times. See, I don't think there's anybody from my community group here, so you won't have to hear it for the 26th time. But we have the opportunity to sow the seed, to share the Word of God. We're not soil inspectors. We're seed sowers. Seed sowers, not soil inspectors. You don't know, you may think, well, I've talked to her so many times and she just shuts me down. I talked to my friend in the shop and he just won't listen to me. He poo-poos at what I try to tell him and he just goes away. Keep sowing the seed. You may have been the tenth person that you've shared with, they, that they've heard share with them maybe. You could be the 20th person. But you could be the 21st person. And something you say might trigger something. And they say, that, hurts. that sounds like what that guy told me last week. Tell me more about this Jesus. What's he all about? And there's your opening. One of the hardest things I had to, to deal with back when I lived in Arizona before I moved here to um, meet and, and uh, marry Lois, which is 
been a tremendous two years and counting for us. We were actually married right here in the chapel, so every time I come in here, I get all gooey and <laughs> everything like that. <clears throat> I'll probably hear about it when she sees the video tomorrow. But at the time, about a year before that, I've been retired for some years. I retired in 2012. And I did, um, for a while there with my first wife, I just, you know, lined it on my watch and sat on the patio and read and, and uh, jotted notes, wrote things. I finally got the book that I was working on. It was published last July. And then I transitioned into volunteer work with the sheriff's office there as an armed patrol deputy. That was quite interesting, quite enlightening. Increased your prayer life considerably many times. And then it was time to turn in my badge and turn in my bullet, kind of like Barney did. Uh, when, I, when I say volunteer, we were armed. We were one of the very, very few units in the whole country that allowed your volunteers to be armed. And we went through a considerable training academy with field training. We had probably almost as much training as a certified deputy did. We did not have arrest powers. We couldn't pull somebody over. But except for probably gray hair or in some cases not much hair, um, we had on a badge, a sidearm, ballistic armor, belt, the whole works. And nobody Susie and Joe Citizen, when we rolled up behind them, they didn't know we were a volunteer. Those are some of the more routine things that we did to assist. Are you okay? Did you get lost? Are you feeling all right? Okay, you go on. That was the most routine things we did. But it was the most scary thing because you didn't know what was in that car. And at two o'clock in the morning, when it's pitch black on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere, you don't know what you're coming up on. So anyway, that was a time in passing. And then I worked as, um, a hospital chaplain at the local hospital there for about a year. And I did enjoy that also. Um, we got to visit the folks in the units. First thing on each day that we were on duty, we'd go to the newborn section because we were more or less freshly scrubbed and hadn't picked up a bunch of germs so we could felt safe to go in there. This is way before COVID showed up. And that was always fun too. 
see the young couples, especially if it was their first child, to visit with them and to pray with them. And that's what we would do with the other people we visit and uh, just kind of visit for a little bit, not long, not proselytizing or doing anything like that. And they'd always say, well, can we pray with you? And sometimes, yeah, I'd be glad to. So that was easy. We'd like to do that. Some people would say, yeah, I, I don't want prayer. That's fine. It's okay. That's that's fine. So we bid them goodbye, have a good day. We'd go out the door in the hall and we'd stand there and pray for them anyway. <laughs> One day I was on duty and there was a fellow, he was about my age, a little older maybe, and seemed to be in pretty good health. He was hoping to get out pretty quick. We got to talking and he had, I could tell, had some type of church experience. Yeah, because he said he went to the such and such a church down the road. And I don't know what made me ask him. Well, I do know, but anyway, I said, um, are you a Christian? You say you've been to you know, the church here that you attend all the time. Are you a Christian? And he kind of looked at me for a minute and didn't say anything. And I said, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? As your Lord and Savior, have you done that? And he thought a minute. No, no, I haven't. Well, you know, the next thing I said, would you like to do that now? That's about as far as from here to Rick. And I was expecting him to say yes, and I, was, I wasn't gonna do too much, but get too close, but I was gonna come where I felt like I could at least touch his shoulder or something. <coughs> Would you like to do that? I was ready to, I was ready to pounce, I guess. <laughs> and he said, not yet. And it really felt like somebody punched me in the gizzard. It took the wind out of me when he said that. And I said, don't wait too long because you don't know how much time you've got. Don't put it off. And then my prayer with him and out in the hallway was for somebody else to come through and to share the word with him, to sow the seed. So even though you may get rejection, and you will, because we do, there'll be somebody that will come across that person's path and be able to share God's word with them. Matthew 28, beginning verse 16. The preach, 
teach or share, if you will, beginning verse 16. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And I remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Literally, in the original language, that means that last phrase, to the consummation of the age. Verse 18, he says, All authority. The King James renders that word in English, power. All power has been given to me. I'm reading again from the CSB. And again, if you pick away the twigs and leaves and get down to the transliterated original, it's exousia. It's absolute and unrestricted power that Jesus was given. <clears throat> Pray, prepare, and preach, teach. So the word. That is how we're going to tip the percentages of the nuns that do not have any type of affiliation with anything. That's where we're going to shrink that 68% that show up when they feel like it. When they show, come up, show up, to see what they can see and get what they can get. <coughs> Be instant in season and out of season. Proclaim the message. Persist in it whether it's convenient or not. If you were friendly neighbors yesterday, um, Don Phillips gave a real good object lesson. And this was an object lesson. She had stuff that she had prepared. It was covered up on a little table. And her theme of all of that was time management, thinking about be prepared be instant, be ready always to share the word. And she had a, a big uh, flower vase, I guess, about two feet tall, foot and a half maybe. And it was big enough, it came up and then it had a smaller opening and then flared out and she could get her hand in it. So she had fairly good sized rocks that she put in and those were things that she said 
those are your anchor things, you know, what you have to do today, you know, you, you get up, you brush your teeth, you have breakfast, you do the housework, you go to work or whatever. So she put a whole bunch of them in, you know, pretty good sized rocks, about big as your fist. And then she said, well, but it's not full yet. And so she had some gravel, like uh, driveway gravel, you know, about so big. So she dipped those and put those in. She said, now these are the things that come up that uh, are not on your schedule, so to speak, but you kind of work them in and you can get there and do it. And she kept filling it up with those. And pretty soon she got it past the small opening and then the flared opening. It was almost level with the top. But she said, you know, still, even with that, there's things that come up that we have to try to deal with. And she had a little container of sand that she dipped out and poured in and it kind of trickled down through there. These are the things, even though you think it's full, even though your time is maxed out, you can always squeeze in something else. So she dipped all that out and it was smoothed off. And then she said, well, it still looks pretty full, but wait a minute. And she flipped her blanket over. <clears throat> there was a pitcher of water. And she picked that up and poured it in. And it dribbled down through all of the sand and the gravel and the big rocks. And then it filled up. And she said, you can always have time for those things that you want to have time for. Make time to share the word. Make time to pray. In our <clears throat> community group, we just started a new series, a new section last Sunday called Difference Makers. Be a difference maker for Jesus. Is there anybody